But now was the time to really enjoy God's creation. I know it rains a lot here. A lot of people get discouraged in a one in time. But man, you just take your vitamin D and keep on going. Yes, right. I just pray that if you're here this morning and if you do need prayer, hey, we're here for you. We have a, a lot of negativity going on in this world right now. And if we, if we focus on that, I know it's easy to be discouraged, isn't it? Because now I guess we're back to phase two with the we back to phase two with the uh, virus and all of that. And it seems like we're going back and forth, in and out, up and down. So I just pray you just keep your focus on Christ. Because when you look around and see the things that are going on in this world, and there's a lot of negativity out there. Um, but we really can't focus on that. This morning we're in Revelation chapter 14. 1 through 20, the lamb and the 44,000. 44,000, the 144,000, they are not Jehovah's Witnesses. Uh, they are special Jewish remnant that God called out to preach the gospel, a Jewish evangelist. John is writing this, Revelation 14, 1. Then I looked, and behold, a lamb standing on the Mount Zion, and with him 144,000, having his father's name written on their forehead. Christ being referred to here as the lamb proclaims the fact that our redemption was accomplished at the cross. Your redemption was accomplished at the cross and no one can add to that, and no one can take that away. Your position in Christ, it will not fluctuate. It will always be stable because he did it and not you. In fact, the title lamb, as it refers to Christ, is used 28 times in the book of Revelation, denoting the atoning work of Christ on the cross. We don't see right now all the benefits of the cross we think we do we think we know but once you get to heaven you're going to be blown away what he's done for you standing on the mount zion is the city of jerusalem where the messiah will return and plant his feet psalm chapter 2 verse 6 when jesus returns he's going to plant his feet on mount zion he said with 144,000 having their father's name written on their forehead so they could easily be identified. What the mark was, it says it's father, the father's name written on their forehead. They had the name of God stamped and marked on their foreheads to show that they belonged to him. You know, we have been sealed by the Holy Spirit, although you can't see the seal, but the Bible says that we have been sealed by the Holy Spirit. That means the seal means ownership. It means that you belong to him. It means that I'm not my own anymore. I do what I'm told. I go where I'm told. And I submit to his authority. 
They had a name of God stamped on their foreheads to show they belonged to him. Jewish believers who trusted in Christ as their Messiah, knowing the great tribulation, they were protected by him with this mark. And now they receive their reward for their finished work. They have endured persecution on earth and now are ready to enjoy the eternal benefits and blessings of life with God forever. Do you know that there's eternal benefits for serving God? Amen. There's eternal benefits. Because these guys, these 144,000, they were faithful. Their work on earth was finished, and now they're in heaven rejoicing. The 144,000 are standing with Christ on Mount Zion, but which Mount Zion is heavenly, the heavenly kingdom, the heavenly one, not the earthly one. It's going to be something to behold once we see this. I hope, I don't know what keeps you going every day. I don't know what keeps you just moving forward or hanging in there. Or, but when I think about heaven and when I think about, I'm always encouraged when I think about heaven. Now, when I think about the earth and I dwell on that, I get discouraged. And that's why the Bible says, we should focus on things above and not on the earth. I mean, we're aware that things are here. We got problems. Amen. I heard they had changed the name of the United States of America. They had changed the name to the divided states of America. I don't know where I got that from. It just came out of the blue. <laughs> but we are very much divided in America. I think it's very sad that we've come to this. But the church should never be divided. We should be stronger now than ever. The gospel is still the same. We should be strong and standing, standing, for, and standing in there and helping each other out. And stand strong and be light and salt in these last days. Because people are looking for friendly people anymore. Sometimes people out here that's not friendly. You notice that? So uh, we want to be friendly. Verse 2, and I heard a voice from heaven and the voice of many waters, like the voice of loud thunder. And I heard the sound of harpists playing their harps. He's hearing this beautiful music. You know, uh, will that be music in heaven? A lot of people ask. I think so, because John said he heard it, harpists playing and uh, beautiful uh, in heaven. I, I think there will be music in heaven, you know. When I, when I get there, I'll find out. I think it will be. I had a long, long, long time ago, and I don't get off on dreams and visions, because and, I know people can get way, way off on stuff like that. But a long time ago, I had a dream in uh, this beautiful song in my sleep. It was the most... I can't even put it into words because it had no beat. Because in eternity, you, you don't have any time in eternity. But it's nothing like the music that you hear here. It's not, it's not even close. I mean, it's a billion times more beautiful than any song that you had ever heard in your entire life. The music in heaven is going to be something like you have never heard. It will be the prettiest. And we're going to join in. I hope I know that song. If not, we're going to have to learn it. But it's going to be nice, man, if we can just stay focused on that. He said they sang it. It's a new song. Verse 3. 
before the throne, before the four creatures and the elders. And no one could learn that song except 144,000 who were redeemed from the earth. Why can no one else sing that song but the 144,000? Because they alone went through the testing of the tribulation, yet they remain faithful. They remain their integrity. Their song indicates that they are redeemed. This is a song of redemption they're singing, which only the redeemed can sing. The only the redeemed can sing the song of redemption. The song of redemption, which is sung by the redeemed saints, the full creatures there, the cherubims and the church, they all just joining in. They had a song in their heart. And then the Bible said, that's a redeem of the Lord say so. You should have a song in your heart this morning. Know who you are and know whose you are. You should have a song in your heart this morning. You should have a pep in your step this morning. When you walk out of here, people should say, boy, that's head guy. That's a Christian over there. We haven't got to wait until we die to enjoy eternal benefits. We haven't got to wait until we die to enjoy heaven. We can start enjoying heaven right now. As soon as you were born again, you can start enjoying heaven right now. Amen. This soul life is very short. It's very short and it will soon pass. But the next life is no end. It's no end. And it's going to be a lot of people wish they had come to Christ. Uh, it's going to be something to behold. Verse 4 there. So these are the ones who were not devoured with women, for they are virgins. They're talking about the 104,000. But they are sons. They are the ones who follow the lamb wherever he goes. They were redeemed from among men, being the first fruits to God and to the lamb. These are the ones who were not defiled with women, for they were virgin men. They were spiritually pure of those bearing the Lamb's name. They were spiritually pure. They were separated to God. They kept themselves spiritually pure because they said, meaning they were, there was a lot of pagan, uh, was a very pagan world, a very pagan system, but they remained pure and faithful in an ungodly system. So the virgins are not talking about physical ones, but it's talking about the spiritual. Spiritually, they remain pure. He said the first fruits. You know, the, the Bible talks a lot about the first fruits. You know, Proverbs 3, so honor the Lord with your first fruits. But these men were set apart for a special service to God. But there will be more converts to follow. These were the first fruits, the hundred and Maybe the 144,000 verse 4 talks about the first fruits, but there's going to be a great harvest coming later on. There will be a lot of people in heaven. And I've read about heaven, how big it is, and we'll get to it. But it's big enough to hold everybody in the world. It's big enough to hold everybody. Everybody's not going, but there will be plenty of room there for everybody. These 144,000 was, these men were set apart for special service to God. And they followed him wherever he went. I hope you will follow him wherever he, wherever he leads you. I don't know what God has said on you in these last days, but 
You have to pay attention and see what God, what changes God want to make in your life. God is making a lot of changes now. And I know a lot of us are set in our ways and we don't like changes. We don't like that. But I think God's going to do a lot of things different in these last days that he's never done before. That's why we have to spend time with him listening. But that's going to be a great harvest coming. A larger, Israelites, Gentiles, there's going to be a lot of people in heaven. A lot of Jewish people will return to the Lord at the end of the tribulation. He's saying their mouths was not found, no deceit. There was no lies in their mouth, verse 5. For they are without fault before the throne of God. The 144,000, not sinless in their earthly life, but they were without deceit. They were out without fault regarding their testimony. They had a, this 144,000 had a great testimony. And I hope that you have a great testimony in front of the unbeliever. You want to guard that testimony. I know none of us are perfect and we still sin. We still fall short. But we want to do the best we can to guard our testimony. Because once you tell people you are a believer, people are watching you. Uh, And once your testimony is lost, you'll never get it back. So you want to make sure. But he said, was no lies was found in their mouths. They spoke the truth precisely. They did not compromise. That's always a cost of telling the truth, though. There's always a cost. Sometimes, uh, I was just reading about this pastor just got out of jail in Canada. He was in jail 35 days for preaching the gospel. 35 days. But he went in there and he started a Bible study in prison. And people got saved in prison. So, well, they soon let him out. But it's kind of sad that They're trying to tell pastors now what you can preach on and what you can't. So if I don't show up one Sunday, you'll know who I am down here at Tacoma Jail or something. Yeah, somebody come get me out. Because I'm not going to compromise. I'm going to tell it the way it is. And I I have to let people know this is not coming from me. God loves you. And no matter what you've done or who you are, he's willing to forgive you. Uh... And I let people know this is not coming from me. This is what God's word says. And I can show you what it says. I'm not just making it up. I'm not just picking on you. Uh, But I have to speak the truth in love. So verse 6 and 7, it says, Then I saw another angel. It seemed like angel is going to be involved in the the tribulation period quite often. He's going to talk about six angels here. Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. Wow, the gospel will be spread throughout the world with these angels. By the preaching of this, this angel, he just, it's going to be going everywhere. This angel is going to be preaching the gospel. It's like the angel is saying, hey, everybody, this is the last call. Last call. It's now or never. God in his grace during the great tribulation is going to have an angel flying all over the world preaching the gospel. God is calling the world to salvation. And God is demonstrating his mercy and giving people. This is a final world worldwide appeal 
to all people to recognize the true God. No one will have the excuse of, of saying, well, I never heard it. No one ever told me. Now, this angel in his God's mercy, God is going to let this angel preach all every tribe, tongue and nation in every language is going to be preaching the gospel. That's why a lot of people feel that during the great tribulation period, there will be the greatest revival that the world has ever seen. Just because people don't go in the rapture does not, not necessarily mean that they won't be there at all. Uh, as I once said, you might be surprised who's there and you might be surprised who's not. The people of the world would have their chance to, to, to proclaim their allegiance to God. And now God's, this angel is saying, hey, final call, guys, because God's judgment is going to get, it's about to begin. He said, and stand with a loud voice, verse 7, for God and, and he said, fear God and give glory to him for the hour of judgment has come and worship him who made heaven, earth, the sea, and the water. This, at, at least six angels are involved here with, uh, with a message. They're preaching judgment. They say, guys, get it together. You know, during this present age, the angels, during the present age we live in right now, the angels are not allowed to preach the gospel. Guess who are? It's, been, it's our responsibility as the church to preach the gospel, not the angels. But during the tribulation period, the angel is going to be preaching the gospel. But right now, the church is supposed to be preaching the gospel. You and I. The message of the angel called men back to basics. They say, hey, God is creator. Fear God and serve him. The gospel is that it's called the everlasting gospel. That means it's eternal. Gospel means the good news. Because this great truth have existed and will continue to exist. The gospel will never change. It will always remain the same. The gospel is the good news to those who respond to it. If a person responds to the gospel, that's the greatest news that you can ever imagine. But if a person don't, judgment will come. The gospel, the gospel, as Billy Graham says, the gospel is for the whole world. I like when he say the gospel is for the whole world. I said, you go get them, Billy, the late Billy Graham, I mean. Everlasting, <clears throat> the everlasting gospel. Can you remember the first time you heard it? Can you remember that? <clears throat> That's what Jesus said we should do, is go and Preach the gospel. Because the gospel is the only hope for mankind. <clears throat> when people turn their back away from the Lord, like many of our leaders have done today, many of our leaders have done, God removes the wisdom from those people and they start making one bad decision after another. Seems like we just can't get it right. It's like every decision we make is wrong because we've turned our back on him. What if we went back, man? What if, we, what if America would repent and say, hey, we need help. Help us. But no. 
when the people, I've seen that in my ministry, where people no longer walk with Christ. They once did, but they no longer walk with Christ. And a lot of them right now that I know in a lot of trouble because God, who God loves, he chastens. And when you're a believer, you just can't get away with the same things that you used to do. It won't work anymore. Another angel followed, verse 8, saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen that great city, because she has made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. This event will describe more in chapter 17 and 18, but this is a world system. For the world system of the beast, the entire economic and political organization that the beast is going to rule, the harlot, Revelation 17, call it the harlot. It's a religious system that the beast uses to build his empire. The beast in Revelation 17 is going to use a religious system to build an empire, to, to, to uh, deceive the world. As she made the nations drunk with her fornications, so, so she herself shall be made drunk with God's wrath. So this worldwide religion is going to be worldwide. We're headed toward a worldwide religion right now. A one world government. A cashless society. Right now. So how much further are we going to go before Christ comes? I don't know. But I don't predict, I don't predict any, uh, anything good for the Church, because we got the answer and sometimes people take it out on us because we tell the truth. How much persecution are we going to experience before Christ comes? I don't know, but it's already started. Fornication and adultery are frequently used in scripture as uh, idolatry and worship. That's going to be an immoral empire of world-centered idolatry and a false religion that's going to affect the whole world. A false religion. Some said a religion comes out of Rome. Some, some says that. I don't know. I, don't, I hope I don't be here to find out, but religion has always been something that led people astray. And you might have heard people say, I've tried so many religions, man, and uh, it seemed like none of them worked for me, but you got to tell them Christ is not a religion. It's, it's a relationship. Then at verse 9, so then a third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worship the beast in his image and receive this mark on his forehead or on his hand, he himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out in full strength into the cup of his anger or indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of the torments ascend forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night who worship the beast or his image. And whoever receives a mark on his, of his name, this is a warning. There's no hope for anyone that takes the mark of the beast. You know, uh, people will have a choice. 
Some people say, well, you know, the, the vaccine is the mark of the beast. That's, that's not the mark of the beast. This here is totally different. There will be a mark in the great tribulation period. As we said last week, you won't be able to buy a sale unless you have this mark. He said, but if anyone takes this mark, man, and worship the beast, basically there's no turning around. You basically, there's no hope for you. It's better to, it's better to lose one's life and they take the mark. And a, a lot of people think, that's why I don't believe we are going to go through the tribulation period. A lot of people think, well, I'll go through the tribulation period. And I won't serve Christ now, but during the tribulation period, I just won't take the mark. Why don't you receive Christ now? You ain't got to deal with it. You know what I'm saying? Just deal, just make it simple on yourself. But the mark, I don't know, it's more control of people because you're not going to be able to buy, sell, or do anything unless you have the mark. So what the, what the world and the government and a lot of people, even society today, they want more and more and more control of the people. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God not the Ten Commandments, but the teachings of God and the faith in Christ. The message to those on earth who have come to Christ during the great tribulation, they're going to need a lot of patience and a lot of endurance. So John is writing this to encourage these people. That's going to be a lot of people coming to Christ during the great tribulation. But he said, here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and faith in Jesus Christ. You're going to need a lot of faith in Jesus Christ, and you're going to need a lot of patience and a lot of endurance if you're in the midst of that tribulation. You're going to really need help. They must endure with patience during the tribulation and remain, and remain faithful for these three and a half years that the Antichrist is going to be reigning. They've got to be reign, remain faithful to Christ. Never give up. They can never give up. They can do this by trusting in Christ and his premises and obeying his teachings found in his word. They're going to have to draw close to him and to get their strength from him. The secret of enduring, the secret of enduring for any of us this morning is trust and obedience. That's the secret of enduring. You have to put your trust in Christ and leave it there and be obedient to what he's called you to do. We must, we must trust to give us patience, trust Christ to give us patience and endurance, even in small trials that we face every day. You know, it's, I don't know if you've ever been behind somebody on the freeway and they're and they going 45 and you're stuck behind them for like 45 minutes and you can't pass them, and they're going 45 on the freeway. I don't understand that. But here I am, stuck. And this person is on the freeway going 45 when the speed limit is 60. So this, this, came, to pass, this came to mind. Patience, patience. Obey him. Even when obedience is unattractive. Even when obedience can be dangerous. 
like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, it was, they were obedient and they weren't going to bow down to what Nebuchadnezzar told them and they were willing to die. Because they said, we don't know whether God is going to deliver us or not, but we're not going to bow down. And the world right now wants the Christian to bow down to what they're saying and what they're doing. And we're saying, we're not going to bow down. But he said in the tribulation, you're going to have to have patience. Verse 13, then I heard a voice from heaven saying, from heaven saying to me, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, said the Spirit, that they may rest from their labor. And their works follow them. I use this verse a lot of time at funerals. The dead who die in the Lord. He's talking about here the ones that got martyred in the Great Tribulation. He says, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord. He said, their works will follow them. What do you mean by that? The works that you do here will follow you throughout eternity. Did you know that? The works that you do here for Christ. See, they will be rewarded throughout eternity for what they do here. Our works, what we do right here on this earth, will follow you throughout eternity. You will be rewarded throughout eternity. Did you know that? No good deed that you do for Jesus Christ, no good deed that you do for Jesus Christ will be forgotten. No good deed, no matter what it is. He's trying to encourage those who are persecuted here. But what you do now is going to count later, throughout eternity. That's why put Christ first and store up treasures in heaven. Tribulation saints. The world looks at death as a curse. For the unsaved man, he looks at death as a curse. It's a curse, but for the Christian, it's a blessing. The Christian who dies experiences rest and he's going to be rewarded. The unbeliever, however, experiences eternal torment. And he loses everything. While it is true that, that money, fame, and material things, cannot, we cannot take those things with us. God's people can produce fruit right now that can even survive death. God will remember our love, our kindness, our faithfulness. And those who accept Christ, maybe through your witness, there's people will come to Christ, maybe through your witness, maybe by even watching your life on your job, in your neighborhood, there will be people coming to Christ. God will reward you for that. But be sure that your values are in line with God's values. Be sure of that. And decide today to, pro to produce fruit that lasts forever. To view life, try to view life as a, uh, from an eternal perspective. It will one day end. Verse 14, then I look and behold a white cloud. That's the Shekinah glory of God. And on the cloud sat one like the Son of Man, having his head a golden crown. That's a victor's crown. 
and his hand is sharp sickle. And another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud, thrust in your sickle and reap the time has come for you to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. So he then sat on the clouds, thrust the sickle on the earth, and earth was reaped. Jesus Christ on the white clouds, coming with the sickle to reap the harvest on the earth. There's a picture here of judgment. A sickle was a harvesting tool with a razor sharp, it was a razor sharp curb, steel or iron handle. It was commonly used for cutting down grain. You might have seen a sickle. But it represents swift judgment that's going to come up on the earth. Christ here, he said he's going to reap the harvest. Christ separating the faithful from the unfaithful. The believer from the unbeliever. He's saying judgment is coming. The grain, in this case, the ungodly people of the world, ready to, they're going to be gathered up. And Jesus is going to separate the sheep from the goats someday. Then another 17, another angel came out of the temple, which is in heaven. He also having a sharp sickle. And another angel came out from the altar who had power over fire. And he cried with a loud cry to him who had his sickle, saying, Thrust your sickle and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth. For her grapes are fully ripe. So the angel thrust the sickle into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth and threw it into the great wine press of, of God. And the wine press was trampled outside the city, the city of Jerusalem. And blood came out of the wine press up to the horse's brittle for 1,600 forelongs. It was cast into a great wine press of God's wrath, he says. This, the wine press here was where the grapes are crushed and where the juice resembles blood, what he's talking about bloodshed here, how it's going to flow, is used as a symbol. It's showing how the wicked will be destroyed in the last days. And the wine press was trodden down, he said, like in the city of Jerusalem, outside the city. The wine press was a large vat or trough where grapes were collected and crushed. It's going to be like so much blood shed. It's going to look like grapes. He's talking about the war of Armageddon. What he's talking about. Armageddon, the last war. The armies will be gathered together. And they're going to fight. And the blood is going to go for 200 miles. He's headed up to the horse's brow. That's about four feet for 200 miles. Today, God is speaking to the world in his grace and men and women are not listening. But but one day he must speak in wrath. The the bitter cup will be drunk. The world, the harvest is going to be reaped and the vine of the earth will be cut. It's like a wine press. The final battle, Armageddon. It includes a lot of bloodshed. According to Ezekiel, Ezekiel, seven years will be required to rid the earth of weapons gathered by the nations. It's going to take seven years, going to be required also to bury the dead. It's going to be so many people die, according to Ezekiel chapter 39, verses 8 through 16. 
We should be very, very thankful that we are believers today. We should be very, very thankful that we don't have to face Armageddon when all the world is going to come against Israel. The whole world is going to come against them. They're surrounded even right now by the enemies. But God is going to protect them. God is going to watch out for them. They are a small, a small city, Israel, small country, but God is going to watch and he's going to protect. But it's going to be a lot of bloodshed in the war of Armageddon. He said, up to the horse's brittle. That's about four feet. 100,600 furlongs is, you can't imagine, blood four feet high for 200 miles. That's a lot of, and it's going to take months and months and months to bury all the dead bodies. This, this is like something you see on TV, or in a fiction movie or something, but it's going, it's going to happen. And if you're here this morning, you have not put your faith in Christ, now would be a great time for you to do that because that way you don't have to face this. You don't have to be here when this happens. I don't think anyone would want to see, be here to face this and see that much bloodshed and see that many people dead. But these are people who have totally rejected God and said, we don't want anything to do with it. We don't want him. We don't want him interfering in our life. But that's going to come a day that his grace is going to run out. And it's running out right now. How much more patience he has? How much more longer before he intervened? I don't know. I know he's allowing everything right now to get worse and worse and worse. Hopefully people will look up. If they don't, it's not his fault. He's given everybody a chance. And if you're here today and you have not put your faith in Christ, don't fight it. Just do it. You, you won't be sorry. And that way you know who you are, where you're going. No matter how bad it gets here, you know you have a home in heaven not made with hands. Father, we thank you right now that we can come and we can hear your word today. We thank you that we have been saved. We have been saved from the wrath to come. Is there anyone here that would like to put their faith in Christ before we close today? If you here and you have not put your faith in Christ, would you care to do that? Just raise your hand. We'll pray with you. Father, we're so thankful that we all are Christians. I pray you would encourage our hearts to keep focused. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us, Father, to Focus on the things that really matters and going to last throughout eternity. For we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand. <clears throat>